You're listening to the Never Heard of It podcast, a Night Shift Radio original. Every week, we bring you the good, the bad, the weird, and lesser-known streaming movies. Hit subscribe for new episodes every Thursday and Sunday. In a podcast <laughs> starring two friends looking to talk about movies. Oh, oh yeah. I, I would say that we need a more uh, feminine take on that, but uh, my voice isn't quite there yet. <laughs> <laughs> Give it a couple months. It'll, yeah. it'll get there. It'll get there. Yeah. Mine's huh. halfway there, so we're good. <laughs> ah. no, that, was, that was good voiceover. Do you do voiceover professionally? Hey, you know, just a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, it's actually fun. I actually did used to do a lot of voiceover work for when I worked for Fox. I would do some of the spots just because, like, you know, we needed it done and it was super expensive to call the voiceover guy and you had to book him in advance and it was just like a pain in the ass. I'm like, I'm not dealing with this. I'm just going to fucking do it. So, so I would just go and just do the voiceovers. Would you say that you had style? <laughs> I had, <laughs> yes. Would you say that you had flair? Yes. I mean, obviously you were there. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> That's how you became an actor. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have guessed? Um, that is yeah. the second nanny joke that I have uh, managed to pull off this week. Yeah? Yeah. That's good. Just pay an ode to Fran Drescher, who oh is God. the current president of uh, SAG-AFTRA and working on those uh, strike deals. She is. She is. And she's she's the president of everything in my heart. Uh, <laughs> I adore Fran Drescher and have for as long as I can remember knowing that she existed. <laughs> She, I, I, I uh, unironically like the movie uh, Beautician and the Beast. <laughs> um, what, what is the name of the actor who plays Mr. Sheffield? Do you know that off the top of your head? I mean, obviously, I, I don't. I, he, I um, keep forgetting his name. Like, I know he's somebody. I've seen him in a bunch of other things, but I always forget uh, who he is. But he, he's definitely one of those like well-known people. Charles Shaughnessy. Uh, uh, so. Charles Shaughnessy, Mr. Sheffield was such an iconic character in in my youth and like, because I, I I loved the show, The Nanny, and I loved the will-they-won't-they they tension between uh, the flashy girl from Flushing and this prim and proper Brit. Uh, and, like, just, I loved everything about it. And I got to tell you, ever since uh, The Magicians back in 2019, or no, 2016 to 2020-ish, when he played Christopher Plover, uh, and have since seen him in other things, most recently in The Winchesters. Uh, I've been seeing him in more villainous roles. You might say villainous. You might. I like villainous. Uh, And it's extremely unsettling, because here's the thing. He's extraordinarily good at it, and I hate it <laughs> <laughs> because because you want you. He's still Mr. Sheffield, he's still right? Mr. He's still the Sheffield. loving father. Yeah, <laughs> he's the loving father. He's the you know blissfully unaware of his uh, his uh, nanny's uh, affection for him. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. I, I just like. It's it's so good and so unsettling at the same time. Like I'm glad that he like isn't like fully typecast or like stuffed into you know one particular role. Uh, but I didn't I didn't ever want to see him as a, a horrible bad guy who hurts people gleefully. Uh, and yet here we are in our lives. Here we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, uh, you know, it's interesting you say that because you know there's a lot of uh um 
there's a lot of really good cast members uh, on in this movie we're about to cover. Yeah. And I don't think any of them have played something outside of what they're typically known for, except maybe Nick Offerman. Oh, yeah. Nick Offerman, he's he has shown... Uh, I won't say surprising range because I think he's he's a fantastic uh, actor and like his range is recognizable right from the start. But like he has been cast in a surprising range of roles, uh, including if we're if we're talking about the dark and villainous roles, um, the show Devs that was uh, released a few years back, where he's uh, he is uh, arguably the the big bad of the show. Maybe not arguably, objectively. It's been a while since I've seen it. I don't remember all the details. <laughs> <laughs> but like you know usually he like he's either the like gruff man's man or he's like the quirky charmer uh but then like that just stretches his his charm into like sinister territory in devs yeah. and i loved that yeah so i mean uh you know of all these people i would say probably lake bell is the only one that we don't see in comedy as often mm. Um, uh, Lake Bell starred in the show called Surface, uh, that was on NBC for a little while. And it was basically like, uh, you know, uh, bubble under deep in the ocean pops and a bunch of alien creatures come out of it, but they're like gigantically huge and they can go on the land oh. and stuff like that. Really cool freaking show, um, was kidified a little bit. Cause like, one of the main characters ended up being a kid who was raising one of the little creatures, like a like you would like an iguana or something. Mm -hmm. And so, like there was that, which made it seem a little more childish. But like the the it was like apocalypse pending like situation. Wow. I really liked that show, and it got canceled. You know, it's it's wild because like she has been in so many things that we have either actively talked about, like if she was in CryptoZoo. Uh, yep. which we covered a while back or like things that we have at least mentioned in passing. But in my head, I just forever have this picture of her as the like really awkward bartender friends turned fling in the new girl. Uh, she dates oh, Nick yeah. uh, 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 oh so briefly and it's just, mm, just really awkward. It's <laughs> 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 like, that's, yeah. that's how I think of like Belle. And like, it's funny because again, she's got much more range than that, but that image of her is just forever just trailed into my brain. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so hello and welcome to the Never Urban Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Fight, And I'm in a world. Podcasting. I don't know. I have, I have no idea where I was going with that. I'm Sabrina Buckets. <laughs> so we are uh, continuing on our month where we are talking about uh, films that are uh, uh, women fronted, run, directed, well, written and directed, uh -huh, uh -huh. and or directed. And uh, Lake Bell wrote and directed this movie. Yes. So yes, uh, she this did. is lo wrote, directed, and starred in this movie. But as we mentioned, this does have a pretty good cast. So if you haven't watched this movie yet, you've got Frank Malamed. You got Michaela Watkins, you got Rob Corddry, you've got Eva Longoria, you've got Ken Marino, Dimitri Martin, Tig Notaro, Nick Offerman, Gina Davis, uh, Stephanie Alwyn, um, Cameron Diaz in a little cameo role. Like just just a pretty good like uh, offering of a cast. Like very just, very well like well known like in this sort of world of film. Just delightful, delightful, and like 
You never know what you're getting when you see a cast like this, because how many times have we sat down and been like, this This is a can't-miss film. Look at this cast, uh, and boy, were we proven wrong. And so, like, I, I, didn't, I don't think I knew just how good this cast was until the credits started rolling at the very beginning, and I was like, oh, wait, he's in this? Oh, shit, she's in this? Wait. Who the fuck is in this? <laughs> and it's just this like incredible list that just keeps going. And uh, you know, in I don't I don't want to say a rare instance, but in a like pleasantly surprising turn of events, the stellar cast delivered. Yeah, I I you know I had seen this movie previously and I really enjoyed it. Um, it went differently than I remembered it though, which is that's on me. But like, there was a lot of things where I was like, wait, doesn't she do blah, blah, blah. And then this happens. And then that didn't happen. And I was like, oh, I guess, I don't know. I guess I didn't pay attention the first time through, but Mandela yourself, man. I did. Um, I did. And like, I, I have wanted to see this movie for a decade because it was released back in 2013. And yep. like, I remember when this movie came out and I remember just seeing the premise the whole idea of riffing on the iconic voice of Dan LaFontaine uh, saying the, the words in a world uh, for every movie trailer ever. Uh, and them taking that concept and having a like struggling up and coming like would be voice voiceover artist actor uh, taking on that role as a woman uh, and how controversial that that's would be uh and I, just, I loved that premise and i cannot believe that i managed to not see this sooner yeah uh, you know and the thing about this is i i think about movie trailers now and like there aren't voiceover people in movie trailers anymore not really no like that's not really a thing um you know so i think i think that's really interesting that even the jump from 2013 which is shortly after don uh, lafontaine died yeah uh to to this uh, to today the movie trailer voiceover thing is not really a thing anymore oh and that's just because there are what i assume are actual like news clips and like old tv recordings stuff like that of uh don dan whatever his name is uh lafontaine doing doing the work or being interviewed or whatnot uh seemed like kind of a cocky asshole but i guess you know when you're on top you can afford to be whatever yeah um but like they they really make it a point like all of the people who are either actual voiceover actors like uh fred melamed is in real life playing uh someone who is kind of like a Almost like a second fiddle to LaFontaine, uh, or also uh, what is his name, like Mark Guara or something like that, who's who's in this, who is like is a voiceover actor and yep. plays himself. Uh, like everyone makes a point to talk about how like when LaFontaine died, like that that particular niche of voiceover went with him. And it kind of seems like in the real world, in a real world, uh, that isn't film and television, that actually happened, yeah. it, it seems. And I don't know if that was an intentional thing, if like if people just couldn't bring themselves to write a, a script like that and find you know, a, a second best to do it, like this, this film implies, uh, or if it just was coincidence like if the maybe the industry was just trending away from the the uh trailer voiceovers to begin with who knows but like it's weird how that actually lined up yeah i wonder if it was like uh people were moving away from it and they were like yeah but you know lafontaine and then he died and they're like 
great. We don't got to do this anymore. Yeah. Perfect. You know, like if it was one of those like, yeah, we only did it for grandpa, you know, but now we don't have to. <laughs> And you know, one of those sort of things. That, that's kind of what it feels like a little bit. It, it wouldn't be shocking if people are like, we just, like, we don't want to do it anymore because, like, it's never going to be the same. Uh, sure. Like, that, like, there's a, there's a certain sense to that. Um, I do think that, like, someone who was really great at a thing passing shouldn't necessarily be the reason that thing isn't done anymore. But, uh, you know, I'm not in charge of writing uh, movie trailer voiceovers, so what the fuck do I know? Yeah, right? Uh, so the IMDb description for this film reads, An underachieving voice coach finds herself competing in the movie trailer voiceover profession against her arrogant father and his protege. Uh, which Re- is... Reasonably is, accurate description. That is. You know, it's very rare that we find descriptions that are really exactly what it is. And that is that is it. That is literally this. Uh, now, there's a very interesting thing about this, and we're going to talk about this towards the end, is... I love what, I mean, you know, this is just from the IMDb description alone. It's underachieving, you know, uh, uh, daughter Mm -hmm. trying to impress her father, but also making a name for herself. We know in the end she's going to, and there's going to be the like, I'm sorry I treated you poorly, daughter, it's okay, daddy moment. But there isn't really that. No, not really. And it's really interesting. We're going to we're gonna kind of go through the movie and, and show you how it leads up to a moment where it could have been perfect, mm-hmm. but it was just sort of like a, yeah, I guess you're good, you know? <laughs> Um, one, uh, one bit of warning, like the, the one thing, like if I had to pick a single thing that almost made me turn this movie off and walk away is that in the first five minutes, there is a significant overuse of the R word that is typically used to demean people with mental or physical disabilities. Uh, I hated that even, even as they like stumbled over, like, oh, I don't, I don't usually say that word and I'm sorry, but like, they just kept using it. And I was like, okay, you made your point. Like somebody said a thing that they shouldn't in a context that they shouldn't. Why'd you keep doing it? Uh, and you know, after a little bit, it, like it kind of fizzles out. But then they bring it up again later. Uh, I hated that. If I could remove that from this film, it would be nearly perfect. Yeah. So I mean, right off the bat, we get that. So right off the bat, we learn that um, you know our main character Lake Bell, who is playing the character of Carol Solomon. Um, is that she, you know, works for a recording studio. She helps with, she's basically like a vocal coach. Um, she helps with, you know, people with their accents. You know, it's brought up very early that she's really good with accents and character voices. Um, so so that's where they, they have her coaching Ava Longoria on a Cockney accent, which is yes. a hilarious little bit that pops up a which, couple times. Which is one of those things where it's like, you don't, you don't hire Eva Longoria to do a cognac. Right? No, like, why, why would you? That's, yeah. that's my favorite part. Yeah. Uh, so she's, yeah. So she's helping Eva, Eva Longoria with this uh, voiceover thing. Um, and, you know, we, we get the idea of who she is as a character. Like we see, you know, that she's kind of like not really there yet. You know, her dad is trying to, you know, she still lives with her dad. Her dad's trying to wake her up and she's like, ah, and he's like, you know, come on, you got to like get up and do something. And in the beginning of this movie, the relationship with the father starts off in a way that's very fine. It's an, it's an okay relationship. You know, Mm -hmm. he says to her, I mean, there, there is a funny part about it. You know, he says to her, like you, you know, look, I'm kicking you out. Like my girlfriend's moving in. 
you gotta you gotta go out and get an apartment is a really funny thing and he's like well look i'm not springing this on you i want to give you time and she's like okay well how long how tall how much time do i have and he's like tonight she's tonight like, would be fuck? good <laughs> yeah and it, which is great hilarious There's no rush but you know tonight would be nice yeah, but then we learn a little bit more about the father is the fact that the girlfriend that's moving in is only one year younger than uh, his daughter. So there's a little bit of that sort of scenario happening. Is is a very awkward thing to learn. Not that not that I necessarily experienced that in in real life, uh, but it still feels like it would be a very awkward thing to learn. Yeah, yeah. So the 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 girlfriend is thirty and uh, Carol is. 31. Mm-hmm. So he's like, you got, you got to move out. So the next thing we see is she actually heads over to her sisters played by Michaela, Michaela Watkins, who plays Danny. And, uh, Danny is her sister and she is married to Rob Corddry, uh, who is, uh, playing the character of Mo. Uh, which of course, uh, you'll know Rob Corddry if you watched the, uh, one of the finest films of the 21st century, that being hot tub time machine. <laughs> or The Daily Show, uh, or The Office, uh, also things. <laughs> All of that other stuff is okay. Yes. But Hot Tub Time Machine is like is really where what, it's at. what we need to focus on here. Right. That was his, uh, that was his bread and butter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, and, you know, her, uh, you know, I guess the producer at the studio that she works at is played by Dimitri Martin, who I freaking love to death. Uh, but Dimitri Martin plays the character of Lewis. Now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. He was, a, was he a stand up? Yeah, he was a yeah, he was one of the stand-up comedians that he did stuff very similar to Bo Burnham. Okay. Where he would do like sit down and play the piano and have a bunch of jokes about it and he would do some like drawing stuff uh you know like uh here's a snake. Okay, I put a circle on it. Now it's a lollipop. Okay, I put a face on it. Now it's a snail. Like those sort of things like he would do those sort of like jokey, you mm-hmm. know, things. Some prop stuff, but mostly he would do a lot of stand-up. Okay. All right. That's yeah. that's do- why I recognized him. And Demetri Martin was one of those stand-up comedians where he kind of fell in line with, like, Gallagher. Oh. You know, everybody knows Gallagher for the water-smashing thing, which is was, like, just, like, the end few minutes of his stand-up act. That was just, like, a thing he did towards the end. He actually was more like a George Carlin, where he would do, like, societal observations, language observations, you know, like, why do we park in a parkway, drive in a driveway, you know, like, yeah. those sort of things. Um, that's really where the, the crux of like Gallagher, Demetri Martin, like George Carlin, they were all just sort of like observational humor actually, um, about things. I think I only know Gallagher from the Geico commercial that features the bit of him smashing watermelons. And like, I feel like that's, that's really a miss on my part. Yeah. You know what? That's one of those things that I feel like, uh, you know, nowadays, uh, Gallagher is really undersold because he became famous for smashing watermelons, but that was like barely 10% of his act. Like that was not like what his act was about. And that's what I think is really, it's a really a shame that his legacy is smashing watermelons when in fact he was a very insightful, one of those insightful, like, you know, think about it comics. Uh, you know, like I said, same thing with, um, Demetri Martin, Bo Burnham, those sort of people. Not the same thing with uh, Carrot Top, who I did actually see live once. Oh. Yeah, I got free tickets to see Carrot Top. This was probably extremely early 2000s, maybe late 90s, uh, you know, probably at the height of Carrot Top. Okay. Um, and I went and saw him live, and it was okay. <laughs> I mean, 
it's slapstick humor and some of it's funny. Like some of it is, is funny humor, but a lot of it felt very like childish. I can't, I can't really picture going to a show of a slapstick comedian. Like I like slapstick in a comedy. Like yeah. a, a little bit here and you obviously don't overdo it, but like a little bit of slapstick uh, is funny. It's funny to see people fall down or get hit in the face with things. It really is. But like, I don't want to go and like, sit in a seat and watch just like one guy do it by himself on stage. Like that doesn't sound appealing to me. Yeah. You know, it's the whole, like, you know, throwing things out of the toy chest stuff that it gets old really quickly. Mm -hmm. Uh, at least to me, you know, and this is the, you know, I feel the same way about like Jeff Dunham, you know, like he's, Uh, he's the ventriloquist. Yeah. You know, like his stand up special is funny the first time, you know, like a little bit. Um, and it's just funny, but like, then as you watch it again, you're like, wait, this is kind of super racist it's and sexist and classist. Yeah. And you're just doing the same get like you're basically just playing stereotypes. And like after a while, you're like, oh, well, this is this is actually kind of like not clever anymore. <laughs> I did think the jalapeno on a stick was funny until I realized what a fucking shitty racist stereotype everything he did was. And then yes. I was like, this isn't funny to me anymore. And yep. it shouldn't have been to begin with, but like the first time you see a talking jalapeno on a stick, like that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> right. And you know, the I'm sorry, his, a, a self-aware talking jalapeno on a stick that, that knows it's a jalapeno on a stick. Right. Also very aware, you know, uh, his, his old guy character is, you know, probably the funniest one, but he's very sexist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but it's probably his funniest character, but that's okay. He can go off and do right wing stand up comedy with like Jim Brewer and Rob Schneider and they can all <laughs> talk about how vaccines, you know, do stuff or whatever. Yeah. Oh my. And headlined, headlined by Roseanne Barr, who uh, oh. is also bonkers. No, no. That sounds like the worst stand-up. Like, here's the thing. That also sounds like the worst stand-up ticket. Like, 15 years ago, if somebody said that ticket to me, I'd be like, ew, no. Yeah. (laughs) Dude, no. (laughs) Like, all of these people suck. Roseanne, we're getting way off topic here, but Roseanne really disappointed me because I never never saw that heel turn coming. I really didn't. I should have probably, but I didn't. Yeah, no, that's definitely one that, like, I mean, you know, Back when Roseanne was really big and doing stand-up, I never thought that, you know, the right wing would be the way they are now, right? Mm -hmm, I never would mm -hmm. imagine who they are now. But, like, she very much was that, like, trailer trash, and she kind of kept with that sort of, like, you know, MAGA. Like, it just, it did flow very nicely, and I'm surprised that nobody saw it coming. Well, I guess everybody saw it coming. That's why, like, she got kicked off her own show. True, Um, true. But, yeah, it was weird, but at the same time, I was like, yeah, that tracks, you know, yeah. same thing with Jim Brewer and Rob Schneider and all those sort of people. It's just like, yeah, that tracks. Yeah. Well, they just know. can't hide it the way like Adam Sandler can. So, oh, oh no. Oh no. I said it. I said it. Oh no. I said it. <laughs> I don't, you know what? I don't like him enough to look into it. I don't. Well, that that's the thing. <laughs> there are a lot of, I think there are a lot of like far right leaning people out there who just know better to shut the fuck up. Like, you know, like we talk about this with JK Rowling all the time. Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she just had to shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Same thing with a lot of these actors. Like there's a lot of very well off older white rich actors who definitely vote for Trump and just 
don't they just know not to talk about it they know better they know better not to go to a rally buy a maga hat you know publicly talk about politics in general if they do you know like they're they're out there and they're people like you know i'm going to guess adam sandler uh, like he's, he's my one that I'm going to be like, he's definitely one of those guys. Oh, so uh, there, but we'll there's see. nothing like concrete. Okay. I mean, I'm just saying all of his friends are right wing. You kind of, you know, it, after a while, like you're the, you're the Fox in the hen house, you know, it's like, it, it, I'm just saying, I'm not saying you're wrong. I am saying that I, I hope you're never explicitly proven right because I don't I know wanna, I want I don't want to have to hate Punch Drunk Love. It's one of my favorite I, movies. I don't want to be wrong either. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or I don't want to be right either. Uh anyways, movie time. <laughs> so we've got the general premise, right? Uh, you know, uh Lake Bell is is struggling to uh, basically break out as a voiceover actor. You know, her dad keeps pressuring her to be like, oh, just stick to voice, stick to uh, character work, stick to animation, stick to, you know, all the, the you the know, the women's jobs. The accents. Right, yeah. And he's like, it, like, he, like, he's very condescending to her about it too. Like when she's talking seriously about trying to, doing the work you would think that he would be like oh my god like you you want to do what i do i'm so proud of you like encourage her but no he's like it, it, like you said you're telling her stick with stick with the accents and he even like patronized her like oh remember that like russian star wars thing that you used to do as a kid she's like i don't i don't want to do that he's like no come on and like pressures her and it's like it's it's stupid she just says the like these are not the droids you're looking for in a russian accent like and yeah, and he's like, that is perfect. That is great. Like, it, it's like cr- encouraging a little kid to do a trick that's stupid just yep. because it makes them feel good. Yep. And that, that is the extent of his support for his daughter. And uh, it's, it's it's pretty gross. Which he explicitly says too, like, you know, voiceover work and trailer work is a, is a man's game. Like, that's not women. And he gets even worse about it when he's with uh, his friend and protege, uh, who is played by Ken Marino, mm-hmm. Gustav Warner, who everybody is basically saying, you know, like Sam Soto, who is uh, her is um, uh, Carol's dad is like one of the top voiceover actors. Like he does, he took over for fun, La Fontaine basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now he's basically like been prepping up, uh, uh, Gustav Warner, who is going to be the guy that takes over this. And we see this because there is a big, um, a big movie trailer opportunity where it's a four film trailer opportunity coming a out. Trilogy, a quadrilogy, uh, which is a take on hunger games. Um, and it's, uh, it's called the Amazon games and basically they're, uh, they want to revive the inner world, uh, mm-hmm. on this. So this is, this is the big deal for all the voiceover people. Everybody is going after this job, but it's pretty much like, yeah, Gustav Warner is going to get this job because like, he's the guy taking over, uh, for this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, so the whole plot of the movie is who's going to get this gig. Now, if you haven't watched this movie and you've made it this far, who gets the gig? Nah, it's obviously, a mystery. Right. Like, obviously, the whole point of this is that uh, Carol's character gets the gig. So how it happens, though, is pretty interesting. And like, I think it, it is it's really well done, even though this is one of the, like, probably, like, the most criminally underused that Gina Davis is in any film that she's ever been in. Um, but, you, you, like, you hear the plot of this film. It is a future world that is essentially, like... Uh, occupied by a, a tribe of warrior Amazon women. And like, there's this weird concept of like 
cloned cavemen that they go to war with. Uh, but the whole idea is that it is essentially a, like a cheap, uh, like sci-fi fantasy YA, like pseudo feminist thing. But Gina Davis's character specifically picks Carol and like explains it to her. Like, this is a chance for us to just show women and like, you can, you can do more than just this. Like, they're going to hear your voice on every TV show, every, like before every movie, they're going to hear it all over the internet. They're going to hear your voice and that's going to inspire people. And the whole time when they were having like the, like who's going to get this part, I was like, well, obviously it makes sense to pick a woman for this, for this role. Like it makes sense just given the plot of the movie. And also she's very good at it. Now, Gina Davis's character makes it a point to say like, you weren't the best, but you were the right one for this uh, because of the message we want to send. And I thought that, that was a, a really interesting thing. And like, especially for like somebody who like, like Carol is, is constantly knocked down by people like her father and Gustav and whatnot for being like new in the industry. Like her father explicitly tells her like, they're not going to give in a world to like some junior upstart actor. Like that's got to go to like one of the big dogs. And they, turn around and explicitly give it to her for that reason that like, because it's a voice that hasn't been heard doing this before. And I loved that message. Yeah. So, so the whole, like uh, a lot of this, you know, in the beginning before she starts getting the role uh, or when she does actually end up, she ends up landing uh, another gig first. Mm -hmm. And the gig that she lands from that is actually stolen or uh, was, she was in competition with Gustav Warner Mm -hmm. and she ended up getting this uh, gig over him. So he knows that he lost out a gig to some other voiceover actor. He doesn't know it was a woman and he doesn't know who it was. Mm -hmm. Well, they end up going to, this party uh and uh carol meets gustav who gustav is incredibly charming with her uh they end up hooking up and having sex uh it is like he's he's charming ish i would say he leans more creepy and uh weird about it but for some reason she goes along uh but like that that brings up another interesting point about like this this film being specifically written and directed by a woman. There are scenes like that that make it very obvious because these men are coming on to women in all of their full creepy weirdness, and most of the time the women are just like, "Ew, gross, go away." Yeah. Uh, in like in this scene in particular, where Gustav thinks that he's like really putting the charm on her, like you can see that Carol's just like. I don't know. You know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to go along with this. But like, she's not necessarily loving it. She's not like fawning over the great Gustav Warner here. Yeah. I mean, you know, after they sleep together, she sneaks out. She comes back home to her uh, brother and sister. Well, comes back home to her sister and is like, guess who was a slutty whore? You know, like <laughs> she, she's very like, eh, it was just a hookup. It's whatever. Yeah. Um, now we have a little bit of a, of a B plot here with, uh, uh, Carol's sister, Danny mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. her husband, Mo. And it's very interesting because there's something really weird about this one where they set up something, but then they, they knock it the other way, yes. which was really interesting. Yes. So, uh, Mo, uh, so, uh, Danny's, uh, Carol's sister, Danny works for a hotel. She basically deals with all the high profile clients. You know, she sets things up for them, like, you know, organizes travel, that sort of thing. I'm not, not exactly sure what she does. It's a concierge. 
that's she's like, a concierge. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's a, a legit role that a lot, especially higher end hotels, will have uh, someone that you can literally just like if you're a guest in the hotel, you just walk up to them and say, "Hey, I need dinner recommendations and I need like a delivery made. Can you do that for me?" And you know they'll make that happen. Yeah, so she's a concierge. Great. Um, and so she is very busy. She's there, you know, she's, she works a lot and, uh, you know, Mo is kind of left off to his own devices. There's a scene where his neighbor, where their neighbor comes knocking on the door and it turns out to be this, uh, very good looking, uh, younger woman. Um, Pippa, is that, Pippa, what yeah. was her name? Yeah. yeah Pippa. She's, she's British. Yep. So Pippa is very good looking, you know, she's, she's younger and she's like, Hey, like, you know, our shower broke and I haven't been able to shower in a couple of days. Like, would it trouble you if I came inside and showered? And he's like, oh, uh, yeah. Uh, and you could tell that this is like a scenario for him, right? Like, yeah. he's like, oh my God, this woman's going to be naked in my shower. Like, should I allow this? Cause he even pauses, mm -hmm. you know, she's like, would it be cool if I did that? Because he's, he's, he's there alone. Yeah. And he's like, uh, like, is this okay? Like, how do I explain this to my wife? And it, it feels like he's thinking like, oh, this is my shot with, with Pippa. And even like, you know, Ellen sitting next to me and out loud, she, like, she's like, okay, now text your wife and let her know this is happening. And he picks up the phone and he calls everyone like, oh, okay, good. Uh, but instead he's like, hey, are you, are you coming home? And she's like, no, I got to work. Like, oh, I was, I was going to make sandwich bar, you know, with the meats and the mustard. But, uh, you know, you take your time and, like, is shady about it. We're like, oh, no. But that turns out to be a misdirection. Not the case at all. So, so Pippa comes in in her bathrobe. She goes off to shower. But immediately following her is Carol. Carol yeah. comes in and he says, Pippa's naked in the shower. And she's like, what? Okay. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, the shower is broken. She's like, yeah, whatever, dude. And so her and Mo start talking. Pippa leaves. Uh -huh. And there's nothing about it. Yep. But at the same time, uh, good old Danny is getting hit on by this cute Irish guy. Um, and she goes for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, they, you know, she ends up, you know, uh, we see throughout the movie that Carol is constantly trying to record accents in this hotel mm -hmm. because she uses it for character profiles and for her archive, she says, and she's like, oh my God, like, you know, I've never been able to nail an Irish accent. Like, um, can you like record with this guy? Like ask him a bunch of questions. Here's a bunch of questions I want you to ask mm -hmm. Record it on this recorder. And, you know, you give it to me afterwards so I can have it for the archives and I can work on that Irish accent. And so uh, eventually, you know, Carol's like, hey, you don't need to do the Irish, the thing with the Irish guy anymore. But Danny does anyways, yeah. even though this guy is very, like, very blatantly says, like, I am hitting on you. Yes. And so she does, and he's super flirty, mm -hmm. and she's really into it, and they end up making out and, like, almost having sex. Um, so that's where you're like, they really subvert you there because you definitely are like, oh my God, Mo's gonna, you know, Pippa's gonna put, you know, Pippa's gonna do something or Mo's gonna do something. Mm -hmm. And then bam, Danny's off, you know, basically dry humping the Irish, the cute Irish guy. And I was like, yeah. shit, that is weird. And of course, like there's suggestive shit on the recording and it gets left around. Mo hears it and he's just completely devastated. He leaves, uh, but surprisingly, it is Carol who figures out how to to fix this because um, Mo at one point 
says to her, like, I wish that I could just, like, he has this really weird analogy where I think he's trying to say, like, I wish we could do this in a vacuum. And he says, in, yeah. a, in a vortex. Uh, it's like, I wish we could just get in a bubble and with nothing, no other distractions. She could just tell me why. And Carol has the idea. She brings her recording recorder to Daniel and Danny and uh, hits record and just like, tell me about like why you're feeling so broken up right now. And Danny goes into like why she's just devastated at the idea that she that she hurts uh, Mo and that she doesn't feel like she deserves him. She she totally breaks down. And Carol leaves that tape for Mo to hear to like try to help heal and bring them back together and it works and it's so sweet it was very sweet so that's our that's our cute little b plot uh or c plot depending on how you want to plot things true um and uh so the other thing is is while Sol- while um sam is coaching gustav gustav is telling him about this girl that he slept with um, but he never uses her name. And, you know, Gustav, they start doing this very misogynistic, you know, very sexist, you know, sort of conversation of like, yeah, you got to give it to her mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you know, Gustav's like, yo, she's the one who stole the the gig from me. Again, never using her name. And he's like, oh, then you got to string her along, like really get her involved and then like screw her, you know, screw her, like get her, you know, like really pull the rug out from under her and all this stuff. And Gustav's like, yeah, man, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And this is what's annoying is later, later, this is where I, Sam, you know, has a great moment for redemption, but I think he ends up staying a villain for the whole film. Like his one little line of redemption, it doesn't do, it doesn't cut it for me. Mm-mm. He finds out that the girl that Gustav has been talking about is his own daughter, mm-hmm. and he gets mad at his daughter about it, and and even uh, tells her to like cut the fuck out, and she's like, "Fuck you," you know? Yeah, and far from being supportive of her, like, "Oh my god, you you got this huge role that like I personally explicitly turned down and was you know was coaching my buddy on, but like that's amazing that you got it, and it's a it's your big break." He like tells her right then and there and then immediately gets on the phone with his agent to express that he's interested in the role and it becomes this three-way competition and like that is the dickest of dick moves oh it's terrible like he really is such a terrible dad like Uh and just person in general but like he's a really bad dad yeah so you know and these moments happen and each time it's all very self-serving and again it almost feels like he him finding out it was carol he gets more upset for gustav than Mm -hmm. he does for carol like than than the excitement he should have gotten for carol and it's really upsetting you know and i get like Lake Bell wrote this and, you know, maybe it's coming from some sort of like realistic experience, but like I wanted redemption moment and it, you don't get it. Like no. it's very unsatisfying with that part. Yeah. There's, there's a, uh, a scene towards the end uh, where the, um, the sisters are, are dragged by Mo to a, an award ceremony for the, the golden trailer awards for voiceover uh, because their father is, receiving a lifetime achievement award the girls don't want to go uh there's obviously not a lot of love in this family but he's like no we're gonna go and uh the uh, awards uh, show makes it a moment to like show off this new trailer that the three of them were competing for and from the the opening line we hear that carol got it she nailed it and sam's reaction 
is to like get up and run out of the the auditorium and like go hide in the closet and just ball in I don't know uh, sadness, shock, horror. Like he just like he he throws a tantrum and it is his his young uh, girlfriend who's like no. You pull yourself together and you go be happy to your girls. And yeah, like, it's you go her, be supportive. Right. She's like, you from now on, you're gonna be a good daddy. Like she's very like I love this stand-up moment for her, mm-hmm. but at the same time, she shouldn't have had to do that. No. Like this is such a huge, huge deal for her daughter, and all he can think about is himself and the boys' club. Yeah. And, like, you know, when the time comes, you know, Gustav introduces him, Sam comes out to give his speech, and what I was, like, similar to you, was really hoping for was some sort of moment, like, yes, I'm receiving this award, but, like, my true lifetime achievement is how proud I am of my daughters, and, like, we got to hear my daughter Carol make her big debut and bringing back those three magical words, and, like, all of these things that he could have said. And all he does is like make a nod to like they like she followed in my footsteps. Hey, ain't I great? And yeah. I'm like, did did Bender write this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, it, it is it is upsetting. You know, it's probably more realistic that that sort of turnaround doesn't happen yeah, grandiose as it does in the movies. It's, it's you know, true. baby steps. But like it was very unsatisfying uh-huh. to to hear him just be like I guess I'm proud of my kids. Anyways, yeah. me, yeah. you know. <laughs> Give it up for me. <laughs> right? Am I right, guys? <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty sad. Um now again, another sort of plot going on with this, which honestly I could have I could have left this one uh out, is there is this sort of will they won't they with Dimitri Martin. And he ends up helping her uh, make the the trailer, make the uh, to do the bid, um, and which is what ended up being used. You know, he he as a producer helps her make her demo reel of this uh, trailer. And there's this like, you know, she's she's like, I like you. He's like, I like you. And she's like, oh, well, I like you, too, that way. Um, But they're very awkward about it. And like, it was cute, but like so unnecessary. Yeah, Uh, it it didn't add anything to the movie and removing it wouldn't have subtracted anything. Yeah, it was cute. Um, but even cuter were some uh, fantastic, but brief, uh, on screen moments between, uh, real life sweeties, uh, Tignataro and Stephanie Allen. Uh, yeah. It's a real life married couple. Just yeah. adorable. I loved it. <laughs> I just love that. She was like, um, she's like, you know, you're not gonna, you're not gonna get me to go out with you for being mean to me. And she's like, do you want to get a snack after this? And she's like, yes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it just felt authentic. It really yeah. did. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, kind of a sad point about this is that uh, during the filming of this movie, Tignataro found out she had breast cancer. Oh, um, so the times that you see her sad. like coughing and struggling is because of that. And then she ended up having a double mastectomy uh, later um, uh, to take care of it. Yeah. So very oh. sad about that part of the film. But very happy she's still with us and still amazing. Yes. And still amazing and doing some great work. So very excited for all future projects with both Tig and Stephanie Elwin. Yes. Yes. Love yes. That. 
<laughs> Love that for us. Anyways, uh, so so there it is. There's in a world. Um, really, really enjoyed this movie. Uh, you know, this is another one that you know is very. It's not subtle about the idea of you know breaking down the patriarchy of you know uh, women being able to do all the jobs men can and how they need to break in those sort of industries. There is a, you know, at the end of the very end of the movie, we see that she opens up her vocal coaching and now it's filled with a bunch of women who um, have like baby voices as she says, like, you know, you shouldn't sound like a sexy baby doll, which, yes, I get where they're going with that. But also at the same time, it kind of felt like it kind of felt like another way of like uh, making women seem, I don't know, it felt not great. Uh, like criticizing women for their voices when like that shouldn't matter. I like, I felt, I felt that way initially, but it was the way that she delivers that like, you know, that there's this one recurring bit character who uh, ends up being in this, in, in this coaching session. Um, then like, you know, she approaches Carol at one point and like, can you tell me where I can get a smoothie? And Carol just immediately flexes into that voice as like a a way of mocking her. Uh, But then later on, like invites her to this and like in the class, she asks, like, so what do you do? And she's a, a patent lawyer or something like that. Uh, Um, And she's like, look, like that voice may work in the bedroom. And she's like, yeah, it does. Uh, But (laughs) you know, do you, do you really think that like, like, do you really think you want to be arguing a patent case sounding like a sexy baby? Uh, and like, you, it, it's time to stop focusing on being cute and focus on being heard. And while I don't agree that like women should have to change anything about themselves in order to get respect, I recognize and appreciated the message of like, sometimes you do have to fucking take the respect. And a lot of that is done by like, just, those those subtle changes to how you approach the world, whether it's right or not, it's true. And I, th- I think it was done from a place more of empowering and less of criticizing uh, women who like who have that that vocal tone or that particular accent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely you know it's in the right. Like she's on the right path, uh, definitely. And I, you know, who am I to say? Uh, but yeah, I definitely, man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, it's true. Um, but yeah, so, uh, so that was another like, you know, thing we get to see at the end, which is very nice. Uh, this film does sort of end abruptly. Um, it felt like there could have been at least another 10 minutes of like wrapping up the present, you know, type deal. Um, but I think it was okay enough, uh, the way it ends and thus ends. So should you watch this movie? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, I think this is a really interesting take talking about the voiceover industry. Um, You know, yes, it is typically male driven for, you know, commercials and stuff like that. So that's, you know, that's still the case now. Um, But I think it's really interesting take on that. I think it's a really interesting take on, you know, um, uh, learning that, you know, you, you shouldn't have to go off to try to impress your parents. You kind of have to do the thing for yourself. And if they, fall in line and uh, respect you for it, great. If not, that's still okay. You need to do it yourself. Um, so I think there's there's some good messages here, which I think is really nice. Um, and uh, Lake Bell does a really good job of not only directing them, but writing them. Uh, and I would totally watch anything she wrote or directed again. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that like there's, there's a lot of great stuff here about, you know, 
fuck the haters, do what you love, pursue your dream, um, like find ways to empower yourself without necessarily changing yourself. Like you don't have to change your core personality to adjust how people might perceive you in order, again, to, to be taken seriously. And also like it just, like we said, there's a lot of things that weren't particularly satisfying about it, but that felt more real because they weren't. Uh, and I appreciated that. And even just like the little details, the little things that I, that I point out that like, as you watch this, you can tell like, oh, this was definitely written and directed from a woman's perspective. I appreciated that. Uh, so yeah, I mean, this is a strong recommend for me. I I waited 10 years to watch it and I, I wish I hadn't, but I'm glad I, I, glad I watched it. Yeah, definitely. So uh, In a World is currently streaming on sites like Freevee and uh, Plex TV. You can watch it for free with ads. Um, I found it easily via Amazon Prime. It was uh, easily watchable there. Um, but yeah, so if you're the type of person that watches movies after we review them, that's where you can do it. Um, but other than that, you know, uh, thanks a lot for listening. We super appreciate it. If you haven't hit that subscribe button, make sure to do so because tomorrow, oh. that's right, tomorrow, Monday, we're going to be reviewing episode three of Secret Invasion. So we'll, uh, you know, again, that's our full spoiler review. We have the Superpod HeroCast guys on. They're going to chat with us about all of that. Um, so it's going to be really exciting. You know, stick around, subscribe, make sure you get notified. And of course, we'll let you know about the next uh, episode we're going to review of the next movie. Um, I'll tell you right now, it's Obvious Child starring Jenny, uh, Jenny Slate, yes. which you can uh, watch on Max. So yes. that's where your, your chance to watch it as of time we're recording this, that is. Yes. I'm very yeah. excited about that. Very ex- I'm very excited about this whole month. Uh, I love this theme. I love the, the picks that we have. And uh, I love that we are amplifying women's voices in film. Uh, as it, it needs to happen. We, we are, we're doing it. We're, we're doing, doing it. our, we're doing our part. <laughs> I'm doing my part. <laughs> oh my god, Starship Troopers is one of the greatest movies of all time, and I will hear no arguments to the contrary. <laughs> we spend uh, spend a good hour and a half talking about why that was the case. So if you I, haven't heard that episode, go back and listen. I do it again. Goddamn it. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot for listening, everyone. We super appreciate it. And we will see you tomorrow. Yes. Okay, bye.